Feel like you've watched all the things? Find even more to love with Xfinity X1, the ultimate entertainment experience. Catch live sports, they're back, along with more scores and more. With the Xfinity Sports Zone, the best sports entertainment experience. Plus, find all your streaming apps and more in one place with the award-winning voice remote. X1 makes entertainment simple, easy, awesome. To learn more, go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Hi, it's Tony Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online, inviting you to subscribe to our other podcast called The Grave Talks. It's where I sit down and interview individuals who've had extreme paranormal situations happen to them in their lives. Just search The Grave Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to press subscribe and give us some stars to help spread the word that this show exists. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, the Lake Michigan Mothman. Long before the Lake Michigan Mothman, his story was being told. In the 1960s, the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area was a setting for multiple horrific encounters with what was known as the Mothman. After a giant bridge disaster, the sightings ceased. Many assumed that somehow the Mothman was connected to the collapse. Were the troublesome sightings an omen of the tragedy that was about to take place? As time would pass, memory and stories of the Mothman would subside. Then, in 2017, sightings of the creature began to pop up around the states that surround Lake Michigan. A large, dark-winged creature with glowing blood-red eyes is a thing of nightmares. For many who witnessed it, though, it's become a horror of reality. Today, we discuss the Lake Michigan Mothman with Tobias Wayland. November of 1966 is when those sightings began. Um, and so people started reporting a, uh, a strange winged humanoid. Um, you know, the, the description varied somewhat uh, between eyewitnesses, but it, it was consistent enough to, to have a, a general profile. And so that was um, essentially this humanoid winged being with uh, glowing red eyes that would fairly consistently strike fear into uh, whoever was uh, unlucky to to see this thing. And, uh, you know, there were dozens of sightings between 1966 and 1967, um, mostly covered by a, a fairly well-known ufologist at that time, well, for people who were into UFOs and things, uh, named John Keel. And uh, he had, you know, famously written a, a, a book about it uh, sometime afterward called The uh, Mothman Prophecies. And, and in that, uh, the, the narrative sort of goes that these sightings culminated uh, with the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which spanned from Point Pleasant to uh, Gallipolis, uh, Ohio, across the Ohio River there in December of, of 1967. And so since then, people have associated uh, these particular winged humanoid sightings with uh, uh, upcoming disasters of, of one sort or another. It's sort of taken on this, um, this portentous air. Uh, people will often refer to 
the the Mothman of Point Pleasant specifically, and then this is sort of branched out, I think, into basically every winged humanoid sighting. But uh, that that particular uh, creature, cryptid, whatever you want to call it, uh, has become known as a sort of of um, harbinger uh, of of tragedy. Almost like an omen that's that's coming to warn. It's interesting because it has such an ominous feel and look to it. So from what I'm understanding, the, the bridge collapse in Point Pleasant back in, in the 60s, yeah. the, the sightings were leading up to the collapse. Is that correct? Well, that's, that's the narrative. Okay. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I think that the collapse of the Silver Bridge was a convenient narrative ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that there is a whole lot of, of real evidence to connect these sightings to that collapse. Um, and I think that that's sort of the, the difficulty in understanding sightings like this because people want a, a uh, they, they want to, a tidy narrative, frankly. Mm-hmm. They they want something that they make sense. They want a story with a beginning, middle, and end. And if you start with the sightings in November and then uh, end with the the collapse of the Silver Bridge, uh, regardless of whether or not there's there's any real solid connection, you have a complete story, and and people love that. But I, I think very notably, even in his own writing, um, John Keel, you know, who had uh, initially introduced this idea of Mothman as as Harbinger, even admitted in the the Mothman prophecies that, you know, he had had claimed to have been receiving these these strange messages and warnings and things, and so uh, he had thought that there may have been some disaster coming, but he thought that it was going to be this uh, this huge blackout on the 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 east coast and uh, that that never happened you know he was he was preparing for it and um it just it just never came to pass and uh and so like i said i mean when the 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 silver bridge collapsed even though there there really isn't a whole lot to uh connect these events it, it it really provided um it it provided a very neat ending Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I think that's that's what it's taken on over time. Other than the fact that the bridge collapsed and the sightings seem to stop around the same time, that's about all that we have connecting the two is just those two timelines uh, in, in history. Right. Um, so there there is a, a slight correlation there, although um, I, I would add our earliest historical sighting uh, of a similar creature around Lake Michigan uh, actually dates as far back as 1969. It was less than two years after the uh, collapse of the the Silver Bridge, around the the, the same time that the uh, the Mothman sightings, as it were, ostens- uh, ostensibly ended. And so, uh, I, I think part of my point is, uh, and you know, obviously this is 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 laid out in in the the book as well, um, that as much as we might really like these these tidy narratives and these you know these 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 tight stories that have a a a conclusive ending that's not really how life works and and i don't think that's how this mothman phenomenon has has worked either uh i I think that there may have been a a break in sightings frankly 
I don't know how many have gone unreported since then in that in in that time span. And it's really difficult when you're trying to to gather historical sightings, um, you know, because, frankly, a lot of people who might have had one back then might not be around anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But from what we do know and, and, and what we have gathered is uh, in about, you know, this two to three hundred mile radius of, of Lake Michigan, um, those sightings seem to have begun uh, a relatively short amount of time following the the uh, Point Pleasant flap. The sightings that were then beginning in, in Lake Michigan, as far as what people were seeing, how similar uh, were the reports as to what was being seen over in the Point Pleasant area in West Virginia? Now, there is uh, a decent amount of... of uh, variation in in eyewitness description, um, and I, I think that that's more common than people think. Uh, I, I think you know honestly, if you're even if you're looking at uh, you know the, the the winged humanoid sightings um, in Point Pleasant, uh, you know they were described at the time as as varying between. Uh, you know, bird-like to 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 bat-like. Um, you know, some people might have have described this thing as a giant bat or a giant owl or 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 any uh, anything in a, a a range of descriptive terms. You know, because I I think that what we have is people basically struggling to uh, to 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 fit uh, the impossible into their vocabulary, frankly, and and so. We see that with the, uh, the the Lake Michigan sightings as well, and so they have generally the the same variation. So you know you'll have people describing um, sometimes a, a giant uh, bird or a, a giant bat, often a a winged humanoid rather with uh, bird or bat like characteristics. Um, you do get those those uh, glowing colored eyes. Uh, the uh, description of those will range in color from uh, orange to red to yellow uh, to, in some instances, even green. And if you look more sort of holistically at what was happening in the Ohio River Valley back in, in, in the 1960s, you'll see that there was a pretty good range of phenomena uh, that was being reported at at that time and so while that there is a, a fairly good you know variation in uh, in the the language and 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 qualities that people describe around lake michigan it's really not so different frankly and there are quite a few uh reports at this time too for us to to, to sift through and so I think probably one of the the biggest uh, differences would be now we have that same uh, you know sort of uh, humanoid with bird or, or or bat-like characteristics that people were describing you know back in the the 1960s, but there you know was also a uh, a, a small sort of, I guess, uh, mini flap, uh, uh, more of a, a flutter, really, if you want it, uh, to, to describe it that way. In uh, northern Illinois earlier this year, and that, interestingly enough, involved something that the witnesses were describing almost more like a 
uh, Wayne Bigfoot, interestingly enough. And that was sort of a new one to me um, because it, it, it didn't really fit the profile that, you know, we had, had uh, established at that point and that had really sort of been established, you know, decades prior. But I had to include it. You know, it was it was within sort of the, the general area of, of these sightings. Um, and, you know, when you have an opportunity to speak to people who have encountered these things and, and you can sit with them face to face and they'll look you dead in the eye and it's evident that they're very nervous, really scared often. And they tell you that they saw this you know, eight foot tall, hairy, uh, humanoid being with, with large membranous wings. I can't discard that just because it doesn't necessarily fit into what I expected them to see. Um, so I, I, I don't know how, like what part that plays. I, I, I don't know what that means sort of in the context of the, the larger, uh, uh, sightings, but, that was definitely the the biggest uh, uh, variance, I think, that, that we've seen so far. I hope you enjoyed your 15-minute preview of our new podcast, The Grave Talks. Be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts to not miss any episode of the show. New episodes every single Monday. Just search for The Grave Talks. And then press subscribe. Give us a review while you're at it and some stars that will help us grow in the rankings and let other folks know that the show exists to make an even better show for you. The Grave Talks. Check it out at thegravetalks.com. Thank you.